The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. Uh, my guest this hour is Vel Nertist, and we're going to be talking about the pitfall of truth, holy war, its rationale, and uh, folly. To win the war on terror, it is vital for us to understand what drives people into becoming terrorists. Now, there's no lack of theories, as we all know. Some stress the role of socioeconomic figures like poverty and ignorance. Others look into frustration of the people of America and foreign policy. All agree that terrorists per, uh, pervert religion. And there is a school of thought that a metaphysical force of evil is at the root of all terror. We look everywhere except for the actual source of the problem, religion itself. Now, here is one key fact, Exonation. Osama bin Laden's hated name is not the only one on the roster of uh, perpetrators of religious violence. It follows names like Abraham, Moses, St. Augustine, Martin Luther, John Calvin. And and here is a key question. Were all of the uh, above evil? Were they poor, lacking in education, perverting religion? Or is there something altogether different that causes religious violence? The simple and lucid analysis is given in The Pitfall of Truth uncovers for the very first time the mechanism by which religion fervor metamorphoses into uh, terror. Joining me now is the author of The Pitfall of Truth, Holy War and Its Rationale and Folly, Vel Nertist. And Vil, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us all over again. Thank you very much for having me on again. A uh, couple of days ago, the world remembered... The day the towers fell, the day that the Pentagon was hit, and the day that an aircraft crashed in the fields of Shanksville, Pennsylvania, all by what many believe was an act of terrorism. What is your take on the events of September 11, 2001, Bill? Well, the really fascinating thing I thought about 9-11 was how much people were rightly aghast, Mm -hmm. and yet... How little did they understand that there is really nothing particularly new about what happened? Of course, events of such magnitude happen very, very rarely. And yet, events of such character, like violence perpetrated by religious people for the sake of their religion, is fairly common. You just read a bunch of names that are textbook examples of very religious people, normally not associated with violence at all. And yet all of them were at one point or another engaged in violence to facilitate their ideas 
and to force their views on the populace. So what is so fascinating is that when politicians and pundits and the press started talking about what happened, they did not see it as a phenomenon that's not really new as a just another instance of what mm-hmm. has been happening before, that everyone took it as something totally unique, totally unprecedented, And that's what is so strange. Now, I will grant you that, of course, the scale of it, the scale of casualties was totally unique in, you know, just 19 people killed 3,000 people just by hijacking the planes and ramming them into buildings. Val, we've got to have a bit of a cliffhanger here because I have to take my first two-minute commercial break. Please stand by. Exonation Val Nertist is our special guest. His website, www.rootoutterrorism.com. That's www.rootoutterrorism.com. And Vel and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. We all desire health, happiness, and fulfillment, but often get in our own way. Repeated patterns that leave us out of control can keep us feeling powerless, frustrated, and unable to move forward in spite of our best efforts. Unconscious patterning disconnects us from our gifts, often destroying the very thing we seek. But there is an answer. We can take charge of our destiny and heal the trauma of our history. Shamanism is an effective ancient modality that can reconnect us with our true selves, empower the creation of our dreams, and return us to health and balance. Cody Alexander is a certified shamanic practitioner and teacher with 11 years experience. Email healingpathways33 at gmail.com 
or visit CodyAlexander.net to schedule a long-distance shamanic session today. And welcome back, everyone. Vel Nertist is our special guest. Uh, We're talking about, is religion the real root of terrorism? His website is www.rootoutterrorism.com. And I'm sorry I had to interrupt you on your train of thought, Vel, if we could just go back before the commercial break and continue about 9-11. Well, so the essential point is that 9-11 is not something unique, Mm -hmm. that violence motivated by religion happened all over history and across religions, pretty much no one managed to escape. And no, no religion can really say that sometime back at times of its inception or when uh, it was, you know, its zealots were particularly zealous, that there was no coercion at the very, very best or violence at its very, very worst. And uh, that is why... What I see surprising is that talking of 9-11, neither the press and the political leaders mm-hmm. nor the public are willing to talk about religion. And in fact, I had a chance to run into some pretty high-placed people, pretty high-placed in the previous administration, and people are just appalled that you can say things like that, that something is wrong with the religion, that you've got to examine the religion, or at least the attitude to religion, which is even more important, as I argue in the pitfall of truth, that what really happens is people who perpetrate such acts take religion at its face value. They just say, well, Muhammad said that uh, you've got to go do jihad, Mm -hmm. therefore you've got to go to jihad because that's what God wants. So they are really jumping a step, and they're saying, because Muhammad said, this is the Word of God. And what really happens is, there's absolutely no way for anybody to know whether what Muhammad said was the Word of God or not. And the reason for that is something that I call the problem of the third party, which is a very, very simple communication problem. When person A talks to... Mm -hmm. When person A talks to person B... Person B relays that same information to person C. Person C has absolutely no way of knowing whether person B is lying or not. And the thing is quite simply impossible. It, because there is no access to the original source. The way we know that something is true is by going to that original source, examining it. Sometimes it can be done directly. Sometimes the way science works is done indirectly by posing experiments and deducing from the results whether the theory is good or not. But in any event, you always have to go back to the original, to the original source, to find out whether something is true or not. With communication of that nature, where you have three people engaged in this two-step communication, first one talks to the second, the second one talks to the third, the Mm -hmm. third one can absolutely never know whether this is true or false. And interestingly, a large number of religions, Islam absolutely included, and Islam is perhaps a glaring example of that, are based precisely on that kind of communication, which is utterly, totally unreliable. So the first thing that people like Osama bin Laden, or 
people of his ilk got to ask themselves is, how do we know that Quran that we are reading is indeed the Word of God and that it indeed is a manifestation of the will of God and that by following it, we are following the will of God? And the answer to that question is, there is absolutely no way for them to know. So what do they do? They just jump, make this leap, some call it leap of faith, but mm-hmm. at least I would argue that it is leap of idol worship, where they say, oh, because we like it, it's the Word of God. So they are themselves, they're making themselves into these judges of what God's Word should be, and therefore of what God's Word is. So they're just saying, oh, you know what, it's such a beautiful text, which, you know, to them it seems beautiful. It, it's, it's really a testament to their taste, to level of their taste, right. but uh, not much else. So they're saying, because it is so, so marvelously constructed, it's got to be the Word of God. But, you know, quite frankly, that is your personal opinion, Mr. Such-and-Such, and, uh, and that's about mm-hmm. it. So you are saying that this is what God is, that God is what you imagine Him to be, but if you start imagining a God, you know, you know very well that's called idol worship. That's not faith by any means. And in fact, the word faith really implies uncertainty. You know, you believe. You do not know. You believe. Knowledge really requires proof, and is a very, very strict science of providing a proof. Here, the proof is impossible. So what happens? These people feel very, very, very strongly that they are right, but there is absolutely no way to them to prove to anybody that, that they're right. So the only real recourse they have is a recourse to violence if they want to convince somebody. Because anybody else is going to say, well, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about, and to be honest with you, you don't know what you're talking about either. So I'm not listening to you. If you are willing to tell me something that's interesting, that's useful, that's helpful, that's wise, I'm willing to listen to you, but it is because it is useful or wise or is helpful, and not because, as you were saying, it's the Word of God. And that is really where we are not understanding what's going on, that instead of just saying, now, wait a minute, guys, what are you you talking about? We are instead saying, oh, you know what, it's their culture, it's their religion, we've got to be nice, we've got to be polite, we Mm -hmm. should never ever talk about it, we should never ever mention it, we should never ever quote unquote insult it. And there is no insult in doubting that uh, Muhammad is a messenger of God or is a prophet of God. For a very, very simple reason, there is no way for anybody on earth to know that. The very, very first followers of Muhammad were already, I would argue, idol worshippers, because there, is, there was no way. I mean, they were following him, mm-hmm. they were clearly enchanted by him, he was clearly a man of very great political skill. Well, you know, not not to not to digress from what you and I are talking about, but as you were talking about idol worship, you look at Catholicism. They idol uh, you know, they they worship idols. They they worship the crucifix. They uh they they worship uh, the different saints. You know, you go to a Catholic church, you light a candle, you make a prayer to a saint. That's that's idol worship. Well, <laughs> some would argue that it's what the reason I call uh, 
I find idol worship reprehensible. Is mm-hmm. that we've got to kind of stick to the reality. If you are doing everything that you've said, clearly understanding that, well, this is what I believe in. Right. This is what makes sense to you. To mm-hmm. me. This is what appeals to me. This is what I hope it is. It is one thing. It is. It is faith. You know, no matter how it is expressed, you know, you are looking at a certain image, and it brings into your mindset, certain ideas, and so on. It is one thing. The other thing is to say, okay, this is really truth. I am worshiping this saint. You are not worshiping this saint. Since you're worshiping, since I'm worshiping this saint, and I am following God's will, and you are not worshiping this saint, therefore you are not following God's will, therefore you are not with God, you're with the devil, and... You know what's got to happen to the people who are with the devil? They ought to be punished or even killed. Now, when it comes to that, and certainly there were periods in history that we very well know of, yes. 500 years, 600 years ago, mm-hmm. when that was really the prevailing attitude, when there was Inquisition, and people were actually burnt for believing incorrectly. So that is a whole different mindset, and that is, again, based on truth, and that is, again, because it is true, people were doing that, or because they really strongly felt that their way of worship was true. Well, look at so, how many how many members of the, of the witch community, uh, or the Wiccan community, were actually put to death because people believed that witchcraft was the work of the devil, and as anyone knows who has ever taken the time to look into the uh, the rituals of of witchcraft it's anything but evil it's it's a it's um it's a belief in mother nature harmony peace using what mother nature has provided well no matter how uh, you can construe it mm-hmm. the fact i believe is that people commit religious violence not really or not necessarily because it's inscribed in their religious text that you should go and kill. Right. Or even that you should go and kill the unbelievers. It is really this feeling that because you know that it is true and the other side is not following what is so manifestly true, and not only is it true, but it is godly, and it is something that God commands people to do. Therefore, you've got to coerce them to do it. St. Augustine really, that is, that I think is the exact quote where he said that you've got to coerce them into the fold. So he knows what's true, and he's forcing people into it. And it's not because it is even good for the people. It is because that is the will of God. All right, and Val, that- please stand by. I've got to take my news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation Val Neertest is our special guest. The pitfall, the pitfall of truth. Holy War and its rationale and folly. His website is www.rootouterrorism.com. That's www.rootouterrorism.com. And I'll be back on the other side of this news break with Val Neertist as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. And don't forget, you can read the latest online versions of the X-Chronicles newspaper at xchronicles-newspaper.com forward slash publisher.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. And welcome back, everyone. My guest this hour is Vel Nertes. We're talking about the pitfall of truth, holy war, its rationale, and folly. His website is www.rootoutterrorism.com. Dot com. That's www.rootoutterrorism.com. Do you think, Vel, that the uh, the world of terror will ever cease to exist and that one and all will live in harmony no matter how many different religious philosophies are are out there? Or is, is terrorism the, the New Day uh, you know, example of a, of a crusade? Well, it, it's a terrific question, and frankly, I believe that it depends entirely on mm-hmm. how we tackle it. Okay. And in my view, the way we are tackling it now is, uh, look what we're doing. We're just trying to kill yeah. them off. We're trying to kill all of them, and so this way there will be nobody infected, quote-unquote, with the thoughts of terrorism, which I think is, well, first of all, it's very gruesome business. Second of all, it's very expensive business. But third of all, it's by no means effective business, because it's very, very hard to do that. Basically, and, what we're saying to every other religious philosophy that we don't agree with, it's that it's our way or the highway. 
that's how we are approaching this 9-11 mm. situation. And it's not entirely unjustifiable, because if you really see them as uh, people who are, well, essentially have certain, certain mental disorder, and the side effect of that is to hijack planes full of people and to ram them into buildings full of people, it is very, very important to first control them. But unfortunately, we are not only trying to first control them with the very, very success, quite frankly, if you read the news mm -hmm. from the Middle East, from Afghanistan, from Iraq, and there are these unceasing suicide bombings and attacks, and etc., etc., I do not really think that we have that great degree of success. Yes, Osama bin Laden is killed. Yes, his top, top lieutenants are killed. But I do not really think that we have this success that we are hoping for, that what you are described as a harmonious world where people live in peace. This is not happening. And I think the reason for that not happening is that we are trying to solve the wrong problem. We are really addressing the symptoms of the problem, mm -hmm. the violence, rather than the problem itself, that is the attitude to religion. Look what we did. We went into Iraq. Yes. We destroyed the government. Mm -hmm. We installed the new government. And one would have said just as 60 or 70 years now ago in Japan, in Germany, we would have written for them their constitution and said, you know what, guys, your old ways were wrong ways. Now, this is how you do it. You no longer have your crazy ideas. You have a constitution. You give to people their liberty. They can worship any which way they want. They can do within limits of not infringing liberty of others, mm -hmm. pretty much whatever the heck they want, and this is your constitution. And that's your new country. Instead of that, we have an Islamic Republic in Iraq, I think it's, it's official in Islamic State, in their constitution, we have an official Islamic State in Afghanistan. There is no First Amendment. There is no something that, you know, at least we in America call First Amendment, where you can say what you want, mm -hmm. you can believe in what you want, and as long as you are not violating the property or the person of others, you are perfectly fine believing in one God, in a million God, in devil, in no devil, in nothing, or in anything at all. It's your private business. Now, we did not do that. And we are really kind of walking around them on a tiptoe, being very much afraid of them, of insulting them. So how are we to explain to them that they are wrong if the reason they're doing what they're doing, they're blowing themselves up, they're killing others, is that really their attitude to religion is wrong. They see it as a slam-dunk truth, when in fact it's highly, highly uncertain that uh, what they're believing in is true, and that they should just say, well, listen, we, 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 we like the Koran. We hope that after we die we go to heaven. But we do acknowledge that maybe that's not true. Maybe a person who blows himself up and kills a dozen others goes to an entirely different mm -hmm. place. And we really are not doing that. We are walking away from that conversation. I hear that uh, 
like when soldiers, American and uh, say Afghani soldiers, are on the joint patrol, the Afghanis always try to drag them in, to drag the Americans into talking about religion. It is, well, basically, they apparently try to convert them. But in any event, that's the subject that interests them, is talk about religion. And the strict orders to the Americans are, you just walk away from that conversation. You don't talk to them about religion. It's, and I personally find it very, very strange that clearly the motivation comes from the mind. And we are not willing to address that source. We're not willing to influence their mind. We are perfectly willing to kill them, but to somehow change their understanding, change their worldview, set them to clearer understanding of how we know what we know and what we do know and what we don't know, what we cannot know, and explain all that to them, something that Europe did probably two centuries ago or even more, three centuries ago, with John Locke and David Hume, and kind of simply understanding our human limitations on what we can know. And yet we are not bringing it to them. All we do, I was just talking to an expert on counterterrorism mm -hmm. from a large think tank, and I said to him, look, if you were responsible for a large park of computers, of servers, and they've got infected, what do you do? Do you take a sledgehammer and do you break each one of them? Or you try to understand what's that malicious software that's running on them, and you try to develop an antivirus, and you run that antivirus, and you clean them of that antivirus. Because you cannot just go around smashing things, smashing right. hardware, or killing people for that. All right, but, but that's because there's something wrong with the computer. We know what's wrong. We know there's a virus in there. We know that we need to use software to get that virus out because that virus is unequivocally bad. But when you look at religion, Vel, how do you say one religion is good and another religion is bad, that you have the right to to believe in what you want, and you, well, you believe in what we want, or else you just can't believe in anything at all. What gives What gives one community the right to do that over another? And we really shouldn't be doing that. Right. And you're absolutely right. that Nothing gives that right. But what we can say is, we can really talk about the truth value of it, and we can really say, you know what? You have absolutely no right, guys, to say with absolute certainty that Muhammad was a prophet, and that Quran is God's word. There is no way for you to know that, and when you are saying that, but, you are committing idol worship. And it but on the, other side, on the other side of the coin, just to, just to keep this conversation balanced, how do we know unequivocally that Christ was actually the Son of God? And we do not, and we do not, and right. that is why there is a concept of faith versus the concept of truth, and that is why when people believing that Christ was the Son of God, mm -hmm. crossed the line, and went into Inquisition, started doing horrible things, started burning so-called heretics. That is really what happened. They lost the sense of proportion. They lost their faith. They acquired an idol instead. They just said, we no longer believe in that. Mm -hmm. We know that to be the fact. And that is why, because you do not take it to be the fact, or you do not take it to be the fact our way, right. because there were so many different facts at the time, so you, therefore, clearly something's wrong with you. You're possessed by the devil, 
And because you're possessed by the devil, we're very, very sorry, but we have to burn you alive. And that sort of thing did happen. And that is why the West, when it kind of sobered up a little bit and started understanding the very nature of knowledge, mm-hmm. like what I, you know, David Hume and John Locke are the shining example of that, and the whole kind of English-speaking world is very much uh, basing its philosophy on on these particular authors. In- interestingly, the English-speaking uh, branch of philosophy is really about knowledge and how we know and how we don't know. Continental philosophies, these grand, grand schemes, Marx and Hegel, and and all these guys who are just you know very, very broad philosophizing of mm-hmm. the whole world. The Brits didn't do that. They just focused on one particular area, and they just said, "Well, how do we know what we know?" And it turns out that there is very, very little where we can say with certainty that we know. And one of these littles is science. And the reason for that is because it is not subject to this problem of the third party. Nobody says that the theory of relativity is true because Einstein was the prophet of God. People are saying, well, it appears true because we can every day of the week, we can make an experiment and we can check its predictions and we can see that this is actually so, the experimental data shows. So you can go directly to the source. With religion, you cannot go directly to the source. Two reasons. One reason is that it's so far back in history, you really cannot examine it. But the other and much more potent reason is that the way in which these so-called revelations were revealed were indirect, and therefore the problem, the subject to the problem of the third party and therefore utterly unreliable. And when people are so confused as to not realize that, and it seems to me that in this particular century, it's the Muslim world that's there, because Europe pretty much got out of this nonsense about 250 years ago. America was pretty much never infected well, with the exceptions of the witch hunts in Massachusetts, but it was pretty much never infected with it, because it was largely organized on the principle of opposition to the European persecution of religion. So with all that, that, you know, that the first, that the Puritans were mm-hmm. very strict and, and so on, the land was so large that people could, people who did agreed had enough elbow room not to get into, into each other. And now that the world be, is becoming so so much more compressed, all these differences, people who like really, really seriously thinking of their religion like nowadays Muslims, they find it necessary to engage in violence, just just like Europeans did hundreds of years ago. So basically, it, we're, we're no further ahead than we were hundreds of years ago. Well, we are ahead, and by we I mean the West, but... Certainly, I would argue that the Middle East, mm-hmm. the Muslim world, is nowhere nowhere near because they did not go through this process of trying to understand of what we can and what we cannot know, some of the European philosophers did 300 years ago. And that is really the foundation of things like America's First Amendment or most legal systems of Europe, mm-hmm. where the reason for tolerance is not that tolerance is nice and good 
and you don't get people killed, etc. But the tolerance, the rationale for tolerance is that we don't really know what exactly is true. And so we have to agree to allow for all varieties of opinion. So we need to have free press, and we need to allow for any expression of religious belief as you want, as long as as long as it is not illegal, as not as you're no longer, mm-hmm. you know, killing anybody or hurting anybody or stealing their property. So any expression of religion within law is fine. And so religion becomes subordinate to the law. That's what happened in the West, but in the East it's a very, very different matter. And religious scholars, religious judges have enormous impact on social life of these countries. Certainly in Iran, the rulers are clerics, Mm -hmm. and uh, it moves that way, some would say, in Egypt and in all these countries that, you know, we were hoping had Arab Spring and will develop democracy, but uh, one would argue that in in this whole tumult, who knows, it may be that the clerics will take the upper hand, just as what happened in Iran. All right, Val, you and I have to take our final break. Please stand by. Exonation, Val Nirtest is our special guest. www.rootoutterrorism.com That's www.rootoutterrorism.com And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Once again, the February... 17, 18, 19th date is for the Body, Mind, Soul, Spirit Expo being held at the International Center in Mississauga. I'm going to be the Master of Ceremonies, and we'll talk more about this as we get closer to the date. Don't go away. We'll be back on the other side of this break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.exxon.com. XZBN.net Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels. 
physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Vel Nirtist is our special guest this hour. We've been talking about the pitfall of truth, holy war, and its rationale and folly. His website is www.rootoutterrorism.com. First of all, Vel, thanks very much for being with us. Always great talking to you. And how can we, how can we look to a brighter, more harmonious future? What will it take? Well, I think what what it will take is to stop hiding our heads in the sand mm-hmm. or sticking them into the sand and just say that terrorists are rational creatures, first of all. We do not need to address them as just somebody who, who, just, who, need, who we need to hunt down and kill. But there is a certain logic to what they're doing and why they're doing it, that we are not demeaning ourselves at all by trying to understand that logic, and that we are not being kind of politically incorrect or non-multiculturalist by Mm -hmm. analyzing it and by looking at what's wrong with it and by disclosing it and by saying loud and clear, listen, guys, this is where you've got it wrong. Instead, this conversation is not at all happening. We're just looking at them as some sort of spawn of devil, and we're just trying to hunt them down and kill them. Yeah. And that's really all there is to it. And it is, as I said before, I believe that this is, A, very hard to do. B, it just costs us enormously in treasure and life. And uh, C, it just, uh, the thing cannot work because there are just far too many of them. New ideas keep coming to the front. Who knows, you know, what other person will suddenly come forth and say, well, I am the prophet and you Mm -hmm. follow me. And we need to know how to address that sort of thing. We need to know how to address religion. So I would argue that we are doomed, if not to failure, then to this permanent warfare until and unless we are willing to say, let's hear what they're saying and let's show to them where they are wrong, even though it's going to hurt them terribly. But what happens, but what about them taking that same approach with us and telling us where they believe we are wrong? Well, and that is precisely, interestingly, this is precisely what they're trying to do. I believe Mahmoud Ahmadinejad sent a missive to President Bush, and this just never got broadcasted. This, we, nobody really discussed it. Mm -hmm. Nobody really talked about it. It was kind of, ah, you know what? It's just one of his little idiocies. He thinks that he can talk on par with the President of the United States. What I would have done is I would have just looked at it, and I would have just said, look, you know what? Your paragraph one is factually wrong. Your paragraph two 
is illogical. It does not follow. Your paragraph three is in total lunacy. And that is how you have a discussion. He can come back and he can argue, but at least we are arguing and we can come to some sort of understanding. Hey, Val, I hate, to do, I hate to do this, Val, but we've run out of time for tonight. We'll have to have you back on in the near future so we can continue this very interesting and uh, enlightening conversation. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Take care of yourself now. Thank you very much. ExoNation Valner Tist has been my guest this hour. His website, www.rootoutterrorism.com. That's www.rootoutterrorism.com. Well, that's it for tonight, ExoNation. Take care of each other. If you can help each other out, please do. There are many of people in your neighborhood that can certainly use just a little bit of help. And, you know, a smile and a wave goes a long way. So until Monday, always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night now.